Researchers around the world are racing to develop a vaccine to try to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, And a crucial missing link in this vaccine development efforts uh, may have been discovered. Evidence is emerging that T-cells, which recognize antigens and kill cells carrying infectious agents, may hold the key to developing a successful vaccine that could protect people from the coronavirus uh, for the long term. So for further analysis, we're very pleased to have joining us from the School of Pharmacy at the University of Reading, Professor Al Edwards. Hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, For us lay people out there, can you first explain, Professor, what exactly uh, the role T-cells play in the human immune system? So they have two roles, two main roles. One is a role of control, um, and the other one is a role of defense. Um, That's the easiest way to think about it. And what they can do is they're very, very um, powerful at spotting things that come into your body, and they can tell the difference between um, different things, or they can tell the difference between bacteria or viruses, and they can tell very um, tiny um, changes in a different virus. Could you also differentiate T-cells then from antibodies? You've, say, um, you've said that the, the T-cells are kind of tasting uh, the, ant- uh, the virus, whereas the antibodies are, are feeling the, uh, the virus. It's a, it's a distinction, to be sure, but again, not very clear to, to lay people. No, exactly. So, so, the way, so we, you may be familiar with the idea that in antibodies are around in your blood which can stick onto things so they can stick to the virus and inactivate it but what's really special about uh, t-cells is that um, before they detect um, a virus or a bacteria um, the that has to be chopped up into tiny pieces and it's the tiny pieces um, and maybe another way of thinking about it is if you have a book if you chop up the book into tiny fragments of letters the t-cells can recognize individual words um, and that's different from antibodies on the surface. Um, so that's why they, the T-cells can really sort of taste something because it has to be chewed up first. When, when we uh, talk about uh, coronaviruses and uh, often the comparison is made to the uh, SARS outbreak uh, nearly two decades ago, uh, very, the, the interesting phenomenon about how people who have recovered from SARS 17 years ago, many of them still show uh, immunity to the virus. How is that possible? Yeah, so, um, sorry, there's a bit of a a, a beeping on my line, so I didn't quite catch the end of that. But um, what's crucial is because uh, T-lymphocytes can recognize tiny fragments, some of these fragments are very, very much the same between the original SARS and the second SARS. uh, But what's different is the surface of the virus. So the surface is the only bit that antibodies can bind to, um, and that is different between the two viruses. these fragments um, from the chewed up virus um, and the thing about T-cells is that they can last in your body for very, very many years, um, which means you can still have memory of a, vi- a virus that you encountered 10, 20, 30 or even you know, the rest of your life um, later. Okay. Uh, Professor, what we're going to try to do is trying to reconnect with you uh, once again, because uh, as you had uh, indicated with the hearing the beep, there's been a little bit of a, a snag in our connection here. So we're going to try to reconnect with you uh, right now uh, as uh, we try to get a better line and, uh, and a better uh, sound quality uh, from this interview. Professor Al Edwards from the uh, University of Reading right now uh, talking about the um, issue of how T-cells could be sort of this uh, key 
factor in uh, the uh, combating of COVID-19 and the quest for finding a virus. And uh, what he just described uh, right now is the fact that, uh, and quite remarkably, uh, if you think about the uh, SARS outbreak, uh, which uh, devastated many parts of Asia, including uh, also uh, places like uh, Toronto in Canada, that uh, many people who did contract the virus back then, and we're talking 17 years ago, they've actually uh, still shown an immunity to the uh, virus, which is something that bodes well than if a a similar line of immunity could somehow be engineered into a new vaccine and developed for treating uh, potential patients of COVID-19, which then would have long-term ramifications and a benefit uh, for the uh, uh, production of a vaccine that would prove to be effective. I believe we do have that uh, connection reestablished. Hello? Hi there. Hi, uh, thank you for joining us once again. I think this connection is uh, a little bit better. Uh, the, uh, just going back to the issue of the T-cells then, Professor Edwards, uh, how, how, do, how do the T-cells protect people uh, re-encountering the coronavirus, um, even if, let's say, uh, an antibodies test doesn't show that, they, that it is present in their system? So it's a really good question, and I think the most important thing is that um, you don't need very many T-cells which can recognize a virus to make a really big difference um, to your immune response because if you have, say, a 1,000 or you know, 10 or 100,000 of these T-lymphocytes present in your body, the moment they detect that virus, they um, rapidly grow and expand, and they will shoot all around your body. And what they can do is they can help all of the different defenses that your body has, including making antibodies. So if you have a T-lymphocyte response, um, you can make antibodies um, from scratch really, really quickly, much more quickly than if you didn't have those um, T-cells. So it's really that sort of combined forces uh, effect of having existing T-lymphocytes that really helps uh, generate immunity against uh, encountering a virus. As we know, there have been um, many countries around the world, uh, including in the UK and the US and uh, even here in South Korea, are racing to try to uh, find some kind of vaccine that will work. Um, and many of them are in, uh, in, in the stage three uh, version of their trials. Uh, as far as what we know about the role of T-cells, Professor Edwards, um, what do you think researchers working on these uh, COVID-19 vaccines uh, sh- need to or should keep in mind? So I think that most of the designs um, are likely to activate uh, T-lymphocytes and T-cells as well as generating an antibody response. And what we're seeing in the early publications from the early trials is measurement of antibody levels and T-cell responses. Um, And it's terribly important to get all of those different things activated. Having said that, there's one slight catch, which is, at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters with a vaccine is that people who've been vaccinated are protected from infection. And that's why we have to go through these um, long and complicated trials, because even if we see T-cells, even if we see antibody levels, um, we still need to be confident that the vaccine actually protects you from infection. Um, So the immunology is really good and it's very powerful, but it's still not a complete picture. Um, And that's why we have to wait for the the final results of those, uh, those big trials.
How big a setback in your view was then the, the news uh, coming out with uh, uh, AstraZeneca and the, the so-called Oxford vaccine and, and the one patient who uh, had uh, been suffering some, some kind of a side effect uh, dealing with his spine? Uh, uh, is that uh, cause for pause or is it kind of, as AstraZeneca is saying, it's sort of kind of the normal uh, kind of routine of doing things and these things are not out of the ordinary and it's just sort of part of the process? So it is part of the process because these phase three trials, um, the vaccines given to quite large numbers of people, you know, tens of thousands of volunteers, which is fantastic. And if you take tens of thousands of people, some of them are going to get sick anyway. Um, but it's incredibly important to pause and look because if there is um, even one person out of 10,000 who has an effect which is caused by the vaccine, right. then if you imagine if you start scaling up to tens of millions of people, you're going to get a lot of problems. The one really reassuring thing is that we have many different vaccines in clinical trials, and they work in very different ways. So even if one particular vaccine has a problem, it's, it's quite unlikely that some of the other vaccine candidates will give you the same problem, um, but we still have to wait and watch and, and really hope for those um, trials to go as well as possible. So we've still got our fingers crossed. Okay. Final question here. What is immunological dark matter? It sounds uh, very ominous, like a serum you might see in an X-Men's comics book. (laughs) Uh, What more information do we need for this idea, in your view, to become more widely accepted? Yeah, it's an interesting interesting, uh, name. I think possibly that's um, kind of playful in a way because... Um, to be honest, I've been studying immunology for 20 years, and there's still a lot that we don't understand, and I think that's normal for a science which is so complex. I think what this is specifically referring to is the difference between what we can do with widespread antibody tests, but antibody tests are actually really quite simple. They have to be simple, and they don't tell you the whole picture. So maybe a better way of viewing it is that the dark matter is all of the immune response that has to be mapped, um, that takes a lot longer, so it needs longer research studies to be, to be mapped out. And then there is this final thing, as I said, with these vaccines, that ultimately the most important thing is that the vaccine works. Um, and we don't always fully understand how they work, um, but we, we, we eventually, when we do the big trials, we find um, if a vaccine is useful in, in a practical, real-world situation. Yeah, and hopefully... Um, so I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. So I think that the you know it it, it, it does sound a bit X Men, right. um, and it does make the, the science sound more exciting, um, <laughs> and it is really a, an, an exciting subject. But um, I think there's a lot that's um, going on that is understood, okay. um, and we haven't seen any really strange surprises yet. Professor Al Edwards, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you.